Hey guys, welcome to the I Hope They Hear This podcast, and today I hope people who hate law enforcement hear this. Hey guys, welcome to the I Hope They Hear This podcast, and today I have a very special guest with me today, um, but we're actually going to try to keep him as anonymous as we can per guest's request, and you'll kind of understand as we go through this why um, he's so secretive. Um, yeah, it's it's nothing to do with any controversy or anything like that, but just as a preventative measure, I think he just generally prefers a certain level of secrecy or mystery or discretion. Discretion, yes, that's that's a great word. Um, so, yeah, how to describe this person? He is a great friend of mine. He works in law enforcement, and. I just want to, I brought him on today to get his side of the story. And usually I don't do this at the beginning of the podcast, but I am going to kind of plainly spell out my agenda for today. The, the thing I plan to accomplish on this podcast is to humanize people like my friend here. Um, past several years, I feel like the hate toward law enforcement personnel has increased and it's kind of gotten into the mainstream and i hear people around me who just casually throw out the phrase oh yeah i hate the police or oh the police they can you know all go die or something extreme like that and i don't think they realize that there is actual people on the other side of that statement it's not just that police are some, you know, robots or government created computer programs or something that has no humanity. It, they, they are people. And I just wanted to put a human touch to or a human feel, I guess. I, I wanted to add that humanity back into law enforcement. And I'm hoping that the listeners today, after hearing my friend's story and his kind of side of the narrative, that yeah the next time you think about hating on cops that you might be a little bit more understanding or that you would yeah just realize that we are all people so welcome to the podcast friend thanks for having me on yeah so before we get and and this is going to be a weird request to a person who's asking for discretion but before we go on and have our discussion can you just give to whatever level you choose can you give us a little bit of background how you got into law enforcement and things like that? Uh, yeah. Um, well, growing up, I always enjoyed serving people. Um, when I went to school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do in life. Um, I think it was my sophomore year. I felt that the best way that I could help serve people is through law enforcement. That was kind of the driving factor as to why I wanted to became, become a police officer, as naive as that sounds. <laughs> no, actually, I can attest to that because this is, if you look up the word gentleman in the dictionary, you might see this guy's picture. He embodies that word to me. And some examples are, we went on a trip for, my actually my bachelor trip uh, a few years ago. And suddenly I see this guy at the airport carrying way more bags than he brought. And I realized that he saw a family, a uh, a family with a single mother and a, a bunch of kids and 
he said, oh, I'll, I'll help you carry your bags because obviously you have your hands full. So this is the type of guy who'll just approach people and uh, offer a helping hand. So that, I don't remember that. You don't? No. I actually have video. I'll show you one day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so beyond that, is, is there any other, other reason or motivation in you continuing to be a law enforcement personnel? Um, well, I would like to say that, you know, me wanting to help people is my continued reasoning as why as I'm police. But honestly, the real reason why is because I'm so invested now with my time and being a police officer, I just, I don't think I could do anything else. This is my, yeah. my life. This is my career now. And on that point, I want to make one statement regarding that because during the whole Black Lives Matter movement, which in and of itself, I don't think was bad. But the counter to that, people started saying blue lives matter too. You know, police officers lives matter too. And there were some critics of that saying, that's not the same thing because black is a race, whereas blue is a profession. But it's easier said than done to change your profession, right? It's so much easier to say, oh, you can, the whole controversy with learn to code on Twitter, I don't know if you know about that, but with with automation happening, there's people saying, oh, if if your jobs be taken over by automation, go learn to code. And there was huge backlash because you can't just tell people to go learn a whole new skill set and change a career path completely like 180 degree. And in, in the same way, I think police officers who've been in law enforcement for a long time, it's, it's not an easy transition to ask them to just wrap it up, go into civilian life and find a completely new career. I mean, I agree. Yeah. Um, you know, with, with law enforcement, all, I mean, we're, there's many different fields, different kind of, um, areas of specialties with law enforcement, but ultimately the fact remains is we're dealing with a criminal element. And a lot of the times we often have to think like a criminal to counteract that. And, I mean, it's just it's just a hard transition to make when you've been thinking and doing what you've been doing to combat criminal activity to go into a job where you just work behind a desk. Don't have to worry about that sort of thing. So kind of like that thing where you say can't teach a old dog new tricks, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And I think on that I've noticed in your life, just interacting with you and just seeing you and you know, going out with you and things like that, there are definite traits that you've developed as a law enforcement officer that you didn't have before. And, and one of the things I find fascinating every time you go to a restaurant is you refuse to sit down where your back is turned against an entrance. Can you can you describe and explain that a little bit? So always have to be observant, always, have, always having to know who's coming into the restaurant. The saying goes with law enforcement is... You have a plan to be as nice as you can to whoever you meet, but also have a plan to kill them because you don't know what their motive is. You know what your motive is. You're just there to have a good time with your family, eat dinner. Yeah. But you don't know what they're doing, especially now in today's society. I mean, people are crazy. Yeah. So it's like you're always on guard. Like Always. Even though you're off duty, you never really fully off duty, right? That's correct. Yeah. And... That's just really fascinating to me because it was weird because you just started doing it one day. I mean, I guess, well, before we get into that, let's talk about 
in what different locations do you have been part of law enforcement? Because it's not just one place, right? So I mean, it's all been in the East Coast. I mm. was a police officer in Virginia, then now I'm back here at home. Um, I was up there for three years, and now I've been down here for about four and a half now, working on my fifth year now. Are there any differences between the locales? Um, there's a difference in the job functions that I do. Uh, I mean, when I was in Virginia, I answered house calls. I was just a regular police officer. Um, basically, if you called 911, mm. I was the one that showed up. Um, things are a little different here. I'm more of an assisting. I'm, I'm taking more of an assisting role where I'm at now. So, yeah, a little bit different. Okay. And is it okay if I ask, what are some of the craziest things you've seen on house calls in Virginia? Just off the top of your head. Um, we definitely, definitely see that, you know, we have a very privileged life where we're at. Hmm. Some people just definitely do not have the means and they live in very destitute conditions. Hmm. There were times where I would go into a house and I would have to Lysol myself when I left. It was just so disgusting. Oh, wow. Um, just that and, you know. Got to see dead people. Wow. Um, I mean, I know it's not cool, but you know, it's just something out the nor- ordinary that unless you were like a coroner or if you worked in a funeral home, that's not a normal job yeah, that wouldn't sure. tell you to see dead people. I mean, it's so different. So dead people, are, are they people who've died of natural causes or they've been killed? or In my time up there, they've all been natural causes. Mm. No foul play was suspected in any of my deaths. Mm and any other calls that I dealt with. And feel free to decline to answer this question because it might be a little personal, but do you think witnessing or seeing those deaths affected you anyway psychologically? It kind of desensitizes you a little bit, I guess, Mm. to death. Um, I mean, it took a... I don't know if I told you yet or not, Yeah, but... um, the craziest thing that I probably had in my career, and I used to not tell anybody, but I had a guy basically shoot himself in front of me. Oh, my gosh. He wasn't in front of me, but mm-hmm. he was – I was at the front door, and he was up the stairs just around the corner. Wow. And I had to walk up the stairs to see him with what he did. And, yeah, that was that was probably the craziest thing I've had to wow. go through. I, I think you might have mentioned it one time kind of briefly because it does ring a bell but i didn't know it was like immediately in front of you yeah wow. so basically what happened somebody called and said that this guy didn't want to live anymore mm. so we go to the house one of the deputies that was listening to the radio he was one of the investigators told me that hey he's got a lot of jail time hanging over his head he might he might kill himself or he might have a gun we don't know he shouldn't have a gun, but he might. So I wait for another officer to go with me, knock on the door. I asked the person that opened the door, I said, hey, are you so-and-so? He looked at me without even skipping a beat. He said, nope, but uh, he's upstairs and he's got a gun. No sooner did he say that. Single shot ran out. So we get him out. We let dispatch know what's going on. We start making our way upstairs and... Want we'll to talk about the scariest thing is walking up those stairs, not knowing if he was going to pop around that corner. 
oh, popping right. rounds off. But about halfway up the stairs, we started hearing his breathing, and we we're like, okay. Yeah, he shot himself. Oh, wow. So just from like the strained breathing noise you knew. Mm, that's right. Wow. So yeah, that was probably the craziest thing I've seen in my career. So that to me is crazy because I've seen dead people, but I've only, well, I can't even really say that because they're at viewings, right? For funerals where they've been made up, they've been made presentable and things like that. But seeing someone like freshly dead like that, did that do any, did you, did that make you feel any sort of way when you had to witness that for the first time? It kind of broke me down a little bit. Um, I don't, I don't, uh, I guess, express my feelings very well. Mm. Um, uh, About two or three days later, I kind of let it go. Once I was, you know, once I let it go, I was good with it. Mm. But, I mean, it's just, things like that just kind of put you on edge more as a, as a police officer just not knowing you know he could be around that corner just yeah. popping out yeah would you be ready wow because he might have had different plans maybe he didn't want to go to jail and he wanted to take us out with him yeah so because all you heard was a gunshot you didn't know which direction he shot it off in right correct wow so it was it was interesting and dead bodies are not like the movies they don't they don't just plop over and die he actually didn't die for three days he oh, shot wow. himself in the head and he was considered considered brain dead for three days and family put the plug on him oh wow but yeah it's not like the movies they don't just die they don't go out in a glorious exit when right right you know when they do that heroic thing they don't they it's different wow dang so before we get too far deep into these crazy stories, I just wanted to ask you, what is a normal day in life of a police officer or a law enforcement officer look like? Well, my, I guess my duties are a little bit different. Like I said, from a normal police officer, like Winnet County or Johns Creek, um, I actually don't have to go into the precinct and do roll call or have a briefing or get information passed down to me from the previous shift. Um, for me, I just go to where I'm assigned and wait for calls for service. And like I said, we're just an assisting agency, so we don't answer the house calls. We just answer calls that the counties or the cities will ask us to respond to. Hmm. So what do some of these calls look like? So our responsibilities are more traffic-based, so traffic crashes, stuff like that. Would you say that you feel more safe during these traffic stops or traffic calls or during house calls? I wouldn't say more safe, and I wouldn't say more dangerous either. I mean, everything that we do is dangerous. I mean, Mm. house calls just as dangerous as a traffic stop. I mean, when I stop a car, I don't know if he's... A guy that just shot up a building or shot up somewhere hmm. and he's on his way to get out of town and that information wasn't passed on yet. I don't know. I mean, that doesn't happen very often, but right. it could. Right. Um, but I mean, I don't know really how to answer that one, I guess. No, I, 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 I'm hearing that the answer is there's really no safer 
they're both equally dangerous, right? Because that's kind of the mentality that you have to have walking into the situation. You can't let your guard down thinking this is not a house call or this is not a traffic stop. So I'm safer right now, right? Yeah, and like and like I said when you know we were talking about going out to eat and having that plan of you know being as nice as you can to somebody, but still having that plan to kill them. I mean, I'm gonna treat you as as much respect as possible, but I mean, if you pull a gun out on me on a traffic stop, it might not end out so well for you. Right. Um. I'm. My plan is to treat you as polite and respectful as possible, but hopefully, you know, you're not a serial killer to just kill somebody and then try to pull a gun on me on a traffic stop. Mm. Yeah. So, and I want to get a little bit personal without opening up any views into your identity, I guess. I don't want to sacrifice or compromise the discretion that we were trying to continue here. But I did want to ask you about an incident where you were involved in a traffic stop and there was, and from what I saw in, in the dash cam and all that, and in all the things that you showed me or explained to me, it, you must be talking about my hashtag. Yes, yes, yes. I won't reveal what the hashtag was, but there were people trying to make, you know, fire you a viral thing, right? Can yeah, you, you, you want to describe that a little bit? Yeah, it got, a, it got a whole lot of views, a whole lot of comments. I'm kind of a bit of a celebrity, I like to think. <laughs> but no, um, I mean, it was just stop. I mean, everybody hates a left lane hugger. I mean, that's what I stopped them for. Yeah. They're just driving... 10 miles an hour under the speed limit in the left lane well um, yo, hold on and i don't think a lot of people know this but oh yeah for all y'all that don't know stay out the left lane unless you're passing please yeah left lane is for people who drive faster than normal and it's not just on the interstate that also applies on you know county roads anywhere there's two lanes in one direction if cars are passing you in the right lane you're in the wrong lane mm, thank you anyway thank you that's my rant yeah <laughs> okay and so describe, continue describing the hashtag. So I stopped his vehicle for that violation. Um, immediately smelled the odor of marijuana. Proceeded to have the individuals exit the vehicle. They did not feel that they had to. Um, they had, they felt that I did not smell the odor. And for the all that don't know, the odor of marijuana is probable cause of search in the United States. Um I just want to do my job. I just want to search the car, see if there's any more weed. They just simply did not wish to allow me to do so. Um, yeah. I made it on Facebook Live, and, I mean, it was recorded. I had no problem with that. Um, but what they were trying to do is try to trying to distract me from the point of finding their two ounces of marijuana in the back seat, or I'm sorry, in the trunk, with their claims of profiling and... Um, discrimination which was not true right and it's it was when i saw the video on on facebook it was the narrative that they were trying to create was they this police officer pulled me over because i am black what and all i did was drive too slow that is not breaking the law obviously they did they didn't understand the whole left lane law that is in place in in georgia so they thought they were in they were trying to paint the picture that they got unlawfully stopped, that 
you stop them purely on the basis of their skin color, which wasn't the case, right? That's correct. Yeah, and I think this is important to think about, talk about, because although there are a lot of situations, obviously there are bad apples in law enforcement, as there is in every profession and every place, right? I but, agree. So, of course, some of the big profile ones, there are a lot of situations where the police officer did something wrong. But if you blindly believe the civilian over the police officer without all the information, you might have seen my friend's video on Facebook Live and thought, oh, he is a terrible law enforcement officer without knowing the full story. Because it they cut it off before you pull out the the found marijuana, right? Or something like that? Uh, I had instructed that individual to place the phone on the hood of the car, and I guess when she was doing so, as I was trying to place her in custody, she had turned it off. Mm. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I told them straight up, if there was any marijuana in the car, they'd be going to jail. And because none of them said that there was any marijuana, I mean, I found maybe a gram of weed in the car, and they were all about to go to jail for that. And... On a side note, if we ask you if there's any weed, just tell the truth because we already know. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but hopefully none of David followers smoke marijuana. <laughs> yeah, guys, this is a PSA from from the host of I Hope They Hear This. Don't smoke marijuana. It is unlawful in the state of Georgia. Wait until it gets legalized. Jordan, California. Yeah, wait until it gets legalized here or go to a state where it's, where it's legal. Um, but, yeah, no, I think this is it was kind of an eye opener for me because I've known you for a very long time. And I know that you are definitely not one of those corrupt law enforcement officers. And so when people attack you in that kind of way, sometimes I take it personally. I'm like, man, my boy didn't do nothing. You know what I mean? It's like, and what kills me? I mean, I'll be told that I'm prejudiced and I'm racist. And I just look at him like, Oh, do you see what color I am? Yeah. I mean, really? <laughs> yeah. So, well, while still keeping discretion, we'll we'll just um, say that you are not Caucasian. Correct. Yeah. So you are of a minority race, right? So it's it's not like you haven't faced racism in your own life, right? That's right. Have Have you ever had to deal with racism as a police officer yourself? Uh, I wouldn't. Well, yeah. Actually, there was. Now that you mention it, yeah, there was one time Ooh. in Virginia. Oh, of course. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I actually this was one of the main reasons why, you know, I think so deeply into cases now and you know what I do and how I can win a jury over whenever I do take cases to court. I was verbally assaulted through the entire encounter when I dealt with this individual. Wow. He resisted arrest, charged him with DUI and resisting arrest, go to court. And I mean, maybe I did do wrong when I put everything that he told me in my report. And when I went to court, basically the attorney told the judge the minute he got up there, he said, your honor, my client is a racist asshole. Wow. And so that already kind of let the judge know, let the judge know that this individual that's being represented by this attorney is not. We're struggling a lot because we're trying to maintain this anonymity thing right oh, now. Oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> um, basically, try to let his attorney or his client 
basically paint him out to be a jerk that mm. really did not have a filter for his mouth, which he really didn't. Mm. But he kind of set the stage to let the judge know that his client was about to unleash a whole lot of racial tirades and, you know, what it, basically what had happened was he called me, let me see, a zipperhead, a gook, um, a freeloader because I didn't pay taxes because I was an immigrant. And <laughs> wow. I, he just let, he gave it to me mm-hmm. through the entire stop. And mm. what killed me is the only thing I said to him at the jail was, I bet it would kill you that I was born in Kentucky. Mm. And then he looked at me and didn't say anything. He said, no, it doesn't. <laughs> So, you know, I went to court and like I said, maybe I did wrong by putting everything that he told me in the narrative because it kind of made me want to paint him out to be the bad guy. I don't know. Mm. But basically he got off on all charges because the attorney was able to make me look like that he got under my skin and that I arrested him basically just because of all those insults. And that's what the judge told me. Wow. So... Just to summarize, there was this person, he verbally abused you racially for a very long time, and you arrested him for rightful causes, rightful reasons, but because you included the fact that he verbally abused you in your report or whatever it is. I mean, that may, that's, that's what one of my coworkers said. You know, mm. I made it portray him out to be too much of a bad guy. Mm. And with the attorney saying what he said about his, you know, client from the get go, he, you know, just successfully let the judge think that I let him get under my skin and that I arrested him just because of that. Wow. So that's that's crazy to me because now you're not only having to deal with racial abuses, but you even have to think about: Am I gonna include this in the story that I tell when I tell? you know, my superiors or whatever, why I arrested him. Like you have to think about that to that level of complexity. Am I going to portray this person as the evil racist that he is? Or do I have to withhold that for whatever reason? And it's, I mean, court is just a game. It really is. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just, you just got to play it right. And I guess I just didn't play it right that day. (sighs) Wow. So uh, let me ask you one more question. This might not be the final one, but... (laughs) An additional question. How has your sense of security and safety, like personally for you and for your family or your friends, things like that, how has that changed from before you were a law enforcement officer to after? It's changed a lot. I mean, even going from, you know, because I graduated college and then went straight into law enforcement. Um, and that was back in 2011. And a lot of this hatred towards law enforcement really started happening, I want to say about 2015, 2014, 2015. I mean, yeah, when I was policing earlier, you know, there was still that that constant worry about my safety going to work. Hmm. But with the way things have changed, um, the public perception and attitude towards law enforcement is is really heightened, I guess, my my concern about going to work. Um, you see in the news now, more and more officers are being killed, and the news is really covering that a whole lot more. And, you know, when I first started, you know, it was not something that you would hear every day. 
and just the way that the world's going now it's just like an everyday occurrence we're just becoming immune to it or desensitized to it mm. so i would have to say my concern about my safety has increased a whole lot more um recently with the way things have been going wow do you ever feel any worry toward your family members or anything like that i worry i worry what they'll have to go through um I mean, one of the big things with my with my parents, my mother, she would not let me join the military. And one of the biggest things she would tell me is that I did not waste all that money on your teeth for you to go fight <laughs> and get killed in a in a war oh, in another country. Mm-hmm. Um, but just what you know, what something could happen to me. I mean, a car crash or a shooting. Mm. You know, would my spouse with my family would they be taken care of could they be okay i mean i know they'll be okay in the long run but just that time being of them having to go through that grief i mean just because i was doing my job i mean i know they rank the the dangers of jobs and i know we're like somewhere in the middle but i mean just for doing our jobs just to get shot at yeah just because somebody doesn't want to go to jail i mean kind of pisses me off yeah for sure i mean i think the way that some people think about the value of other people's lives is very demented and twisted and especially when the narrative the thing that upsets me with some of the police law enforcement hating is like i said before it takes the humanity out of law enforcement officers and and that's what they think they think you're some sort of you know stormtroopers or something with with no families or anything like that. And it's, it's just okay to, yeah, it's some people, there are some people who celebrate the deaths of law enforcement officers. Yeah, there are. And that's, that's just ridiculous. That's just so crazy to me. Oh, yeah. I think, uh, I mean, if y'all have never watched the movie end of watch, but oh yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal has that saying that he does. I forgot what, during what scene, but, he basically explains, you know, police, we are the unintended consequence. You have broken the law. We mm. might not agree with the law, but you have broken the law. We are here to take you to jail, and nothing will stop you from that. And it just goes on, and I think it's just the most accurate portrayal of law mm. enforcement. We didn't make the law. Society did, and we're here to enforce that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And again... Police officers are not the henchmen of some sort of evil dictator or emperor. These are all rules that we as a society have agreed upon. And we are trying, we need people to enforce those rules. Otherwise, the rules have no weight and therefore no meaning, right? And that's what kills me. You know, I'll, you know, I, I, I lurk on Facebook whenever I see things, you know, regarding police officers and, you know, comments being made about how we're just highway. Um, tax revenue generators and all that nonsense we are here to enforce compliance all we need is compliance Mm -hmm. when you do not comply with the laws that are set forth that's when we get involved and yeah okay so nobody likes to pay $200 for a speeding ticket well would you rather we just take you to jail every time you speed I I mean what other options are there I mean yeah, if there are no consequences, then... What's the point exactly. of having the law? 
but it just kills me when people you know call us road pirates and <laughs> highwaymen for oh, wow. revenue. Road pirates? I've never heard that. That's a creative thing. I, mean, I don't know what else you want us to do. I mean, yeah. what else can we? How how else can we punish folks for breaking the law other than through the wallet where it hurts? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, what do you want us to do? Yeah. And, and I, actually, actually, this is a pretty good segue into the next question I wanted to ask you. And this is really for the listeners. Um, what can us civilians do to during our interactions with law enforcement officers, whether it's during a stop or, I don't know, any other time? What can we do as law enforcement officers to avoid putting you guys in a bad mood or, or to produce the best outcome so it's gonna sound like a corny answer and i know everybody's gonna go oh a stupid officer just don't get stopped by us no, i'm just kidding <laughs> um well if you do have the unfortunate mishap of having to deal with us um just be pleasant i mean we're gonna remember you when you want to be ugly hmm. and you're just gonna talk yourself into more tickets when you run that mouth so just be pleasant and honestly, it doesn't help or it doesn't hurt to ask for a break, for a warning. Mm. Now, if you're doing something crazy like 93 and a 70, you know, there's really not much we can do for you. Right. But just be pleasant, be nice. And I'm sure the tone counts for a lot, right? I'm sure if someone says, dude, give me a break. Versus... Yeah, don't do that. And don't go, uh, what are you <laughs> stopping me for? That'll... Mm. Mm try that see what happens yeah so well i think it would be a lot easier if us as civilians kind of understand and realize that police officers are human beings and i'm sure there are times where you're much more pleasant during the beginning of your your duty your on call versus near the end of it right i mean for every human being if you've had to deal with a-holes for you know 12 hours i'm sure you it, yeah, but, you know, us as law enforcement, we still have to hold ourselves to a higher standard. I mean, yeah, we're going to have those days. Um, like today, I had a pretty productive day as far as work goes. Um, towards the end, when it started raining, I ended up working five crashes, which is a pretty high number mm. for where I'm assigned. Um, it kind of gets to you, but, I mean. Yeah, I'm sure it's. If you're a human being, I'm sure it does get to you. And I'm actually really surprised to hear you say that. Pleasantly surprised to hear you say that you you do kind of hold yourself to a higher standard and you do expect you and your fellow law enforcement officers to not be faced by some of those things as often. But I do want to remind our listeners that if you have to deal with some of this same things over and over again, your patience is definitely going to run out. And I'm going to give you an example. I was driving once and I was going to a graduation, but I was like 10 minutes late and there was definitely no more spots inside the school for parking. So I drove up to the school and there was a police officer directing us to different areas. And I saw the police officer point to the right and there were a bunch of cars just pulling off onto the side of the road, 
trying to park on the on the side of the road and walk in. And so that's what I thought she was directing me to do. So I pulled down my window. I said, can I park here? And she was like, no, I'm saying you can't park here. I'm telling you guys to take a right. And I at first kind of took it like offensively. I was like, what? Why are you yelling at me? Can you, you know, be a little bit more polite? Maybe I'd be more responsive. But what I failed to consider and realize at the time was I was probably like the 20th person to ask her or say something like that in that situation. And it, not only did I ask the, that question, but there were a bunch of people already violating the, the rule and parking on the, off on the side of the road and not even caring about the directions of the police officer. So the amount of frustration she must have had, I'm, I'm sure that response was pretty controlled and tamed, right? There is nothing more frustrating than directing traffic. <laughs> yeah. If you want to see the sheer... No, never mind. I can't say that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Directing traffic is just... Mm. Ridiculous. But, yeah. Because everyone thinks that they own the road. Yeah. 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 And and is is there um, anything you want to add in terms of what you want to tell our listeners? Um, Just please... Just be careful on the roads. Um, a lot of people just don't understand how dangerous driving can be. I don't want to work your crash any more than you want to be involved in a crash. Mm. But a lot of times people just take it for granted. They honestly just think driving is a game. Um, you're driving a three, 4,000 pound missile. And especially if you're not wearing your seatbelt. I mean, yeah, that's your choice if you don't want to wear a seatbelt. But Gravity dictates if you're going forward, gravity. Momentum? Inertia? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, Newton's laws. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Oh, I was going off on a tangent. Um, you know, motion is going to dictate that if you're going forward at 60 miles an hour, then all of a sudden you're going to crash and you're not restrained. You're going forward still. Right. But I don't know if most of y'all pay attention to those billboards or those road signs that are on top of, you know, um, the interstates that tell you the roadway fatality numbers each month. Mm. I mean, that's, you got to think that's a person, that's somebody's child, that's somebody's mother, father, grandparent. That's somebody's number that keeps adding on to that total. And I don't know what the, you know, the total number was last year, but I'm sure it was in the 1400s or 1500s. Wow. Just from driving. I mean, is that, in the U.S. or is that in Georgia? In just Georgia. Just Georgia. Wow. Um, it's it's just crazy. I mean, it, just be careful on the roadways. Um, tractor trailers don't stop on a dime. Don't cut in front of them either. Yeah. Um, but just when you're dealing with the police, that is not the place to hold court. If you are going to be charged with something. Just wait for your day in court. Don't argue. Don't fight. Just have your day in court. Um, and a lot of the times I feel like the reason why there's so many interactions with the police that go wrong is because people cannot be told that they were doing wrong and mm. they cannot be held accountable for their actions. So just, just comply. That's all we want you to do is comply. And I feel like now... Um, 
if you're stopped by the police and having to deal with the police, you're going to be dealt, you know, the way you're supposed to. Mm-hmm. Everything will be done by the book. Um, because we know, you know, it's to that point where, you know, we're being recorded at all times. The yeah. courts are more and more favoring, you know, what's being presented by the defendants and not by what we're saying. You know, unless it was on camera, it probably didn't happen. It's how the courts hold it now. So if you are going to be dealt with by the police, just comply and let it play out in court. Yeah. I think that's really good advice. I think it helps the police officers kind of stay off edge because I'm sure the most, the more a person is not being compliant and being shady, the more you have to fear for your life and think about safety measures, right? If I'm behaving erratic versus if I'm being very pleasant and just talking to you like a normal person, I'm sure the amount of focus you have to place on remaining safe and having to defend yourself, there's a probably huge discrepancy or difference there. So yeah, listeners, if, if you are listening to this, actually, I know a lot of people listen to podcasts while they're driving. If you're driving right now, and it'd be really, you know, what would be really crazy if you got pulled over while listening to this, that would be some coincidence there. But if that happened to you, yeah, just, I hope that this podcast can remind you that the police officer is a human being. He is part of a family. He does need to fear for, for his or her life. And the way that you treat this person can dictate how well that interaction can go. So, yeah, I think that's something that we all in our society need to think about and consider. Yeah. And just one thing that I wanted to add to before we, you know, signed off. We as, I guess, the protectors of society, um, we are tasked with, I guess, fighting the, the wolves. And the way I like to use that analogy is, you know, the bad guys, the criminal element, they are the wolves. The rest of society, you know, the civilians, non-law enforcement, non-military, they're the sheep. The law enforcement are sheepdogs. We kind of look like the wolves, but we're not really the wolves because we're keeping the sheep safe. They don't want us to have us around because we look like the wolves, but at the same time, mm. we need to be there to keep the wolves at bay. Um, we have a job to do, and the more that our hands are tied and the more that, you know, the courts rule that, you know, we can't do this, we can't do that, the more, the less effective we are against the wolf. And we have to deal with that criminal element. We, you know, we have to talk to them in their way. We have to deal with them in their way. And it's not the same way that we're going to talk to somebody who's, you know, a regular part of society. We're not going to talk to, you know, a criminal from, from the bluff in Atlanta, the same way we were going to talk to somebody in Sugarloaf Country Club. So, I mean, if we come across rough, that's probably why. We just have to deal with a maggot um, that just broke into your neighbor's house. And now this is, I guess the best way I can explain it is when we have to deal with that kind of crowd for so long, we may come across a little rough, I yeah. guess. yeah. And I just want to point out, I'm sure you weren't, when you compared someone from the bluff and to someone in Sugarloaf Country Club, I know you weren't talking about 
any sort of economic status or anything like that. You're just trying to just a select, geographical area. Yeah, geographically, you know, two kind of extreme sides of the so the, of the spectrums. I just wanted to make that clear because I know that I know because I know this person as a person or this law enforcement officer as a person. I know that's not what he meant. I know some of you out there might try to skew it to make it seem like, <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, yeah, no, I just wanted to make that clear. Yeah. So I just want to say thank you to my guest today. I've actually been trying to get him on for a Ever. while, forever. In fact, you know, there was one episode where I said, my next guest, I'm very excited about. Whoops. <laughs> this was like, that. this was like six weeks ago or something like that, five weeks ago or something like that. But no, I understand you have a very busy, uh, very busy schedule and you're, personality type isn't one to want to just sit and talk like this i'm really out of my element right now yeah even even when he came here i had to convince him downstairs for a good while before he would even come up here and sit down so i honestly didn't come here to do this i came here <laughs> I to, tricked him i, to I eat i bamboozled him dinner. into doing this um so yeah they, so much appreciation for you talking to us today not only that but I have a great deal of respect for you as a friend for what you do on a daily basis. And most of the time you don't let the work that you do spill over into your personal life. Because like I said, he is the most gentlemanly person that I know. Chivalry is this person. This person is the embodiment and personification of chivalry. So yeah, I really appreciate that about you. Again, I really appreciate just everything that you do. Uh, hope that you you keep safe all the time thank you and yeah listeners i hope that today's episode really got you thinking about how you deal with law enforcement officers and wherever you are again we do we're not saying that every police officer is perfect we're not saying that there aren't bad apples out there we're not saying that all the controversy that's happened in the recent years are nullified in any way but the majority, th those were kind of the extreme side of the negative side of the spectrum. The extremes of the negative side of the spectrum in terms of the types of people that are in law enforcement. And I would just encourage whenever some kind of story does come out involving the police and brutality or something, just look a little bit deeper into it. For sure, yeah. And just don't believe what the mainstream media just wants to portray and make us out to be hashtag fake news yeah and just make sure that you understand everyone has an agenda i clearly had an agenda during this episode in fact i spelled it out for you guys in the beginning so yeah let's just keep that in mind um if today's episode resonated with you in any way positively or negatively please feel free to email me at i h t h t podcast at gmail.com that's i hope they hear this abbreviated podcast at gmail.com if you have any questions that you want to direct toward my special guest today in terms of law enforcement please email me as well and i will relay those questions to my friend and i'm sure he'll be glad and happy to answer anything any Absolutely. questions that you have yeah so once again thank you so much and thank you listeners thank you for having me. for uh for listening we'll talk to you next week <laughs>